right, Tom, we're here to talk about United 4, Wolves 3. I guess it's Wolves 3, United 4. And just before kickoff yesterday, Paul, former host, Paul was saying he's not going to bother watching it because United versus Wolves is always crap. And it always is, except this one. It always is. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a game. <laughs> it was so mad. And I think I think it's arguably United's best performance of the season. For an hour, like, yeah. We were, yeah, for an hour. We were so good in an attacking sense. I think that's also because when you have really good players, you can actually play pretty yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and that kind of like was a showcase for me yesterday. Like, you look at our team and you're like, shit, it's such a good team. And we've rarely said that this season because we've had so many injuries and yeah, players not being available and stuff. And you think, this is actually a good team. And then we played really, really well, like you say, for an hour. Hugely entertaining game. The detriment, well, because of our naivety, I think, mm. in a lot of senses. But yeah, thankfully, thankfully, Mainu bailed us out. But yeah, there's so many negatives to take away from that yesterday and also so many positives. Because, right. like, you think, I think looking at that team, especially, and the way they did play for an hour, you're like, this is, this is the making of something good. I know. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves yeah, just, and go, okay. No, well, because no. you, you think it's, it does look like a top side when everyone's there and playing well which neither of those things have been true at all this season I mean that's fourth game unbeaten which is United's longest run of the season <laughs> incredibly yeah that's just absolutely bonkers that is and and Ted Hart basically said it in more diplomatic terms but I, he basically said I've got my best players back now and, and this is what you get and of course it'll make or break him he will have a job next season mm or not, based on United's performances from now until the end of the season. And there's, what, an eight-point gap to fifth or something like that? That's what United's chasing. I think fifth place will probably get a place in next season's Champions League. Looks like it probably will, unless English clubs really fail in the first knockout rounds of uh, all the European competitions. And so Mm -hmm. it's still on, unbelievably still on, that United could make the Champions League next season, despite how crap we've been for most of it. But to come back to yeah. the positive, for an hour yesterday, it was just everything was working right. The balance in midfield, Maynou, Kobe Maynou and Casemiro was perfect. Pretty much the first choice back five, I'd say, especially Shaw coming back, just makes the world a difference. And, and the front three, front three, four looking hungry, including Marcus Rashford. Mm. He looked very hungry, not just thirsty, like he was for most of last week, and and scored an absolutely belting goal to what after what a couple of minutes to to open the account and shut up some of the doubters. Yeah, that was that was beautiful. Interesting to know they didn't do the point to the to the mind kind of thing because if you're kind of pointing to the mind, you'd be like, is was there a brain there last week? Because it doesn't feel like there was. It's such a stupid thing to do. But yeah, he took his goal so so well and plays really well. Like there was, I think Samedo actually played well also on that at right back. Like I think the two were both usually that's a contradiction. Like if if the left winger plays well, then the right back doesn't. But I thought Samedo actually did do really well because Rashford got a lot of one on one opportunities yeah. with him, and not always could he beat him. Um, but that was. I think that was kind of an encapsulation of the whole game, really. Like, the amount of times we were able to get into those positions. Like, there was so much space for us to attack yeah. into. 
I guess that's the the benefit of scoring early when we're a transition, we're a team who play well in transition, score early, then you can kind of play the way you've you've wanted to and space is going to open up because the Wolves are going to have to kind of chase the game type of thing. But yeah, like he was really good. There was, he could have been better for sure. Like there was, there were times when you kind of think, oh, I don't know, is that the right choice to make and, and that type of thing. But yeah, like you say, he looked hungry. And I guess after doing something so stupid, he has got something to prove, to be honest. Yeah, um, it, but isn't that the frustrating thing? We know he's got this in him. And what, he had to have something to prove in order to show some hunger and desire. And I hate I hate being reductive about analysis of players, but you see that Marcus Rashford. And, and let's be fair, he scored against Spurs and Forrest, or Forrest and whoever, uh, didn't he? Uh, so he's got a, this 3-3 three three now for Marcus Rashford, but this was definitely his best performance of the season. And it's frustrating that it has taken what happened last week to bring that out and I, you know, my, my sense just just in the online world of United fans was there's just a tremendous amount of negativity about him and it's partly the idiotic nature of what he did going out on a two day bender and lying to the club about it lying to the club for two days afterwards and then and forcing forcing the club into a very embarrassing position and it's taken that for him to sort of have what feels like hunger and desire again this season and that's always going to be like fans are just never going to accept that, are they? That you only turn it on sometimes. You only feel like you care sometimes. Yeah, and it was the same last season at, at Wolves as well. Remember when he missed training and then he came right, into yep. the team as a sub and scored? Yep. It's obviously a little bit different last season because he did score thirty goals. But it is so frustrating. And I mean, for all. I mean, we've been obviously big supporters of Rashford this season. We've not been the people who have been piling on to him week after week, as, as so many people have. But like last week is is just so stupid, especially when you're under so much scrutiny and you've not played well this season as well. Like to kind of think that you're like Billy Big Bollocks. Like, I mean, we've all skipped work because we've had like a, a night out or whatever, but usually in our jobs we don't really give a shit about them. Like we probably did that when we were like 19, 20 and like some part-time waiting job that we had or whatever. We don't do it when we're playing for Man United. Well, quite. Like it's the job that everyone wants. Yes. Like it's, it, it, it's really, it, it's really like not just disrespectful to Ten Hag and the team and his teammates and all the coaching staff, but it's disrespectful to every single fan as yeah. well. Like for you to do that, go on. One night out's bad, but two nights out's bad enough. I mean, we've. I think you could sure get away with it as well. It last. So. Exactly, it's 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 really it's really really bad. But then, well, we saw what the, the, the upside of him last night, and mm. hopefully, maybe he's learnt a lesson from his stupidity, and and for the rest of the season now, he's going to have his head down, and he is going to kind of think, yeah, that was really really fucking stupid, and. This season, and then for the rest of the year, I'm going to try and give back. <laughs> we never know; like you don't know what's going to happen over the next few months. But hopefully, he's in that kind of mind frame. And also, he's got to be, he's got to be good enough to go to the Euros. And surely that's in his mind. I, I should I, hope if, so. If he's yeah, doing this type of thing, like Gareth Southgate, wouldn't stand for that. And and I know, like as United fans, many of us don't really care that much about England. But he obviously will care about playing mm-hmm. in that Euros. He's got they've got a really good chance of winning it. And if he's not there because of some stupidity and 
lack of commitment, mm. that's going to sting with him for a long time, especially if they do win it. Yeah, and United need him to be really good for the second half of the season. Marcus Rashford needs this to go to the Euros and to make amends to the club and to his teammates and the fans and the manager. And I think if you think about the comparative crime, like Rashford versus Sancho, Sancho's crime was essentially not training hard enough and then sticking a social media post up. Rashford got shit-faced twice, lied about it to the club for 48 hours and has embarrassed everyone. I think that's the bigger crime. And the mm. the different reaction is that Rashford, I think, assume. I mean, it wasn't said in the statement. It said he took, he took responsibility. But I'm going to assume he apologised in that meeting. It was mm. him, his brother, his agent, John Murta and Eric Ten Hag in that meeting. I'm going to assume just the way that Ten Hag was willingly kicked Ronaldo and Sancho out of the club, that Rashford has you know, that contrition is including an apology, and mm. kind of. He's been caught absolutely red-handed. You're one of the most yeah. famous people in the country, and you think you can get away with going on the piss. Of course people are going to photograph you. Of course. I know. So, so stupid. I mean, the, the clubs involved, the nightclubs, that is, leaked CCTV footage, you know, have sold it. I mean, of course they're going to do that. I mean, brain dead. But he made up for it. It's a fantastic finish. It's a nice move from United. Garnacho, Dallo, uh, the layoff from Hoyland, who I assume first thought he was going to control and turn, couldn't. Smartly found Rashford, who's passed into the corner. Beautiful goal after two minutes. Beautiful so, goal. Yeah, hopefully we can draw a line under all of that now, and, and Rashford is good for the second half of the season. He stays fit, and Luke Shaw stays fit, because I think Luke Shaw being behind him and crank space on the overlap makes a big mm. difference. Wasn't that second yeah. goal came from that area as well? That Hoyland yeah. bundled in, or it sort of came off the keeper and then hit Hoyland. <laughs> We're calling it his goal, though, right? So, yeah, and they're the type of goals you want to see Hoyland score as well. Like the, uh, that's what's what what we've not seen him score. Maybe not seen him have those types of chances, really. And I guess that's because also our wingers, when Shaw is, especially when Shaw isn't playing. Our two wingers don't really get to the byline. I think Garnacho will be now playing on the right. He's got that potential to almost like old school kind of Antonio Valencia get to the to the byline and pull it back. But when Shaw's in the in the team, it brings that extra quality in, in crosses into the box because obviously when Anthony's playing on the right hand side, you're not going to get that. Rashford doesn't really whip in. Well, he, he wouldn't play that type of ball in. Yeah, he's, he has the potential with his left foot, but it's rare. But those are the type of goals that you want Hoyland to be having because there's been games this season where United have created a lot of chances, but Hoyland hasn't had a chance himself. And that's kind of like, it feels like he's played well, but not got into yeah. the right positions or we've not fed him and stuff. So another kind of dimension, I think, that Shaw brings to this team is is to get the best out of Hoyland in those types of areas because he, I feel like he has the the nose for it and he has that physicality so I don't see why he can't be scoring more of those chances because they're like they're just bread and butter of a, yeah. of a Premier League striker aren't they yeah like I want to see him score those I also think like mm. positionally he's too far up the pitch sometimes you know he actually he actually looks good just coming a little deeper so he's not the ball can be in, played in front of him and Bruno will play yeah. those balls he plays more balls into the final third than any other player in the Premier League he will play those balls so I think 
positioning for Hoyland makes a difference and also United trying to find him in those channels will make a difference as well and, and not solely yeah. back to goal number nine. I think it was, forget the account, I think it's Devil's DNA on Twitter. There's some comparative stats between Hoyland this season and his season at Atlanta last year and how many touches he's getting and it's like half uh, and and clearly United should be a better side than Atalanta mm-hmm. Atalanta not Atlanta and it, that is all to do with the system United is playing and not getting not getting those balls for him to run onto because he's got that pace and physicality and movement movement's yeah. good so anyway it's nice to see him score another goal I think that's is that eight he's got this season it's, you know, it's ticking up it's yeah. ticking up he's, three and three as well yeah if he ends the, yeah, the campaign with like 15 to 20 it's not bad for a 20 year old in your first season honestly so no and an improvement on last season as well yeah. like I, I feel like hot, yeah he's not had the greatest start to his campaign um, career at United but he just has so much to him doesn't he like I feel like He's almost hampered by how many attributes he does have because he just he can do everything. He can do a little bit of everything. He's maybe, yeah, I think he's still a little bit raw with his touch and stuff. But it's yeah, I think I think he's just got yeah a little bit of everything and that personality as well. Yeah. All right. So those first two goals, and then it was the penalty for Wolves, which I mean, honestly, just if you don't like, what is the point of having VAR if you can't overturn that? I mean, it's so obviously <laughs> a dive. It, it, the weird thing is, like, yeah. I think we, I, I, it's hard to know exactly which angles the VAR was getting, but I think the point at which they switched to the VAR and they were showing the angles were those foreshortened ones where it's showing it from the front and the side. And there you could go, oh, it might look like the boot is on the shin. When you see the close-in, tight-in angle from behind, you clearly see there's about a foot gap where the foot is withdrawn and Neto just falls over. And I, I, I'm like half thinking VAR didn't see that angle because it's so obviously a dive mm-hmm. when you see that angle. There's, there's this ridiculous thing with VAR, especially for penalties, where if it's given on the on the field, it's so, so rare to ever be overturned. There was that one in the in the Liverpool-Chelsea game the night before as well. It was a stonewall penalty to Chelsea in the first five, ten minutes. Yeah. And because the referee didn't give it, for whatever reason, they just never overturned it. I, I don't like this either. Obvious that fan- yeah, if they were going for a binary system where it's right or wrong, and VAR's there to help get it right or wrong, this kind of... We, we're going to... I mean, it almost feels at times that VAR is looking to back the referee. And of course, they haven't ever said yeah, that, yeah. but it, that's what mm. it feels like. That is horrendous. But you, you think as well to what Mike Dean said about his pal, I think it was Anthony Taylor. He was like, yeah, I didn't want to send Anthony Taylor over to the screen because he's had a bad enough game as it is or he's had a difficult enough game. And if, well, he's he's saying that, clearly thinking it as well, how any other people are thinking that in the league? And like, what is the direction from Howard Webb? Like, phew, I, I'm also at this point where I just I just hate VAR so much. It's so refreshing watching the FA Cup at the weekend where you just watch a game and a goal goes in and a goal is going to stand because there's no VAR in the game. And it's just so... It, it feels like going back in time. It's just so beautiful to watch a game without VAR, which is just so ridiculous. Mm. Well, VAR didn't have to intervene in the two offside goals United scored. But the thing I liked about that is there were three balls played <laughs> and mm. it didn't get the timing right. 
and so uh, really close though. Yeah, really close. The the lino gave it lino. Uh, Aging myself, the assistant referee gave it his offside. Uh, I mean that that's the weird thing about VAR, right? It's binary on offside, but not on everything else. Just a, yeah. just another level of frustration and nonsense with it. But it would have been much clearer if United had those kept themselves on side for those two and also taking some of the other chances because there were a lot of good chances that United were missing. It didn't half feel at times that we're going to regret this. Yeah, it really did feel like one of those games. Like, yeah, for all our good work, we still have to be more potent in, in those wide areas and, and in the final third. There's, there was a couple of occasions, like Bruno's one, just after they, they scored their first, where yeah. he got in about 15 yards behind the defence, just had to play a really easy pass with his left foot to, I think it was Garnacho at the, at the far post, and he just blazed it miles over into the crowd. It's like... I, I, what can you really say to that? To be honest, it's just a simple error. And Garnacho did a similar thing in the in the first half when he was on the right hand side and just way over hit his cross. And I think it went out for a goal kick when Rashford was the one at the back post. Like that's just got to be better if we want to be a a, a team that are going to go on a bit of a run. Like we have to be more clinical in those mm. types of positions. And and it came back to bite us in this game because we. We're not the type of team that go and shut down a game a little bit like City do, where they just keep the ball and control the the game for the rest of the 30 minutes or whatever's remaining. We're kind of a team that, well, we just don't have that in a locker. We don't even like philosophically look like that type of team. So we basically need to outscore the opposition. Mm. And that kind of leads us a little bit open at the back and leads mm. a l- lack of control and and it almost did come back to Bayer's in this game. Well, uh, well. so on, on the chances missed, three big chances missed. So three high XG chances missed out of five created. Creating five big chances in the game is a lot anyway. And, you know, just nearly what, three and a half on the XG last night. And then about the not shutting the game down. In- incredibly, Bruno talked about it against Newport, after Newport, and said they, he thought they made the mistake of not trying to shut the game down game management they sent seven players up when you had a 3-2 up with like five minutes left in the game seven players Harry Maguire who'd come on and Johnny Evans were up Johnny for Evans, a corner yeah. like what the hell are you <laughs> doing and you know get counted on <laughs> just, we was, did that so many times as well it wasn't just one corner it was like yeah. about four or f- three or four opportunities where we like because Johnny Evans played that almost got an assist didn't he about two minutes before that like we were still creating chances, and like when it did go to three two, like we were still creating chances after that. It's not like Wolves were just barraging our goal or whatever. Like that's the weird thing about that game yesterday. But we just kept missing them, and then just left ourselves ridiculously Way open. Way too open. Like, yeah. How you can? I think it's unforgivable at any level of football to be to be three two up in the ninety fifth minute of a game and concede by a team getting a three on two from a counter-attack from a corner like how does that happen Mm. especially against a team like Wolves who are basically only good in in transition like Cunha is only good in open space Nato is obviously a really good footballer but when he's got open space he's he's obviously rapid and he can he can damage you and hurt you like (laughs) It, it's just like it's so schoolboy like that oh, what happened incredibly frustrating like I mean, what you say 
you bring in Ham Evans and Maguire on to shut the game down and you send sending them up for a corner with like five minutes to go. Like, what, what, two minutes to go? What are you doing? Pretty brain dead. Yeah, I mean, Kilman scores the second goal, doesn't he? And then it's they all pile up for the corner and for Neto to score the equaliser in, in injury time. Uh, and I think that's right. I'm maybe mixing stuff up there. But I do think Casemiro going off like contributed to United's sort of openness right at the end. Because he... <laughs> I mean, I guess Ten Hag had to take him off because it's straight after the penalty, isn't it? He takes him off. Um, so he got booked in the second minute. Double-footed scissor challenge. Just absolutely... I mean, just... Yeah, immediately that happened, you're going, OK, let's, let, let's check the betting. Like, what's the over-under of him getting a red card now because there's a good opportunity? Um, and then uh, yeah, he or is, there like a, is there a festival in Brazil like in over the he next few weeks to, or something yeah. and he wants to go home before or something yeah. oh poor Casemiro that's Neymar <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so I do think that contributed to United's openness right at the end and and if Casemiro hadn't conceded that foul and hadn't previously got the yellow card then probably Ten Hag wouldn't have taken him off or maybe he was just knackered and blowing because he needs a bit of a few games to get up to speed again and that may well have contributed. But but his replacement was Scott McTominay, who's, I guess, ostensibly supposed to be there to be like a little more defensive when you're coming on that late and you're trying to manage a game. But, of course, he didn't. This is the good side of Scott McTominay in that he scored with his first touch. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, which was... It's great when that happens because it's the only reason he can be in the team because he doesn't offer anything else apart from that. But scoring a goal in a big game like this. Pretty important. He's just amazing at finding space in the box and, and scoring goals. It's, uh, I mean, you almost just want to kind of just retrain him to be a striker at this point. Like, you, you don't offer really anything in that midfield. You're not quite good enough on the ball. Like, he leaves massive gaps behind him when, especially if you're playing in a minute two. It's like, you're only playing him because he's a goal-scoring threat. That's what he's in the team for. Well, not it's well. He shouldn't have been in the team for that yesterday because, like you say, he should be trying to lock a game down. But he's just so good at flooding the box. And I guess if you do play him as a striker, he's not going to find himself into those positions. Blah blah blah. But yeah, it's it's so frustrating to have a player who's just so potent in a, in the opposition box. And like so many of our players could learn from him in that yeah. respect. To be honest. Like he's clinical. I mean, he had a good another good chance after that, and he wasn't quite as clinical. And obviously, he missed that header the other week, where we yeah. in the final minute where he could have won us the game. But yeah, it's 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 so it, it, to me like his defensive now feels so coachable. Like I can't understand why why he can't be told like how to where you need defend. to stand. Yeah, especially like when you've got Casemiro in there who kind of. Well, almost like you just want him to go to like a one-on-one masterclass with Casemiro for a few weeks or just watch loads of his videos or whatever and mm. try and take it in but whatever whatever's happening at, at training like it's not it's not getting in it's not sinking in yeah no I was I was trying to look just as you were talking you know how they call Thomas Muller the space invader and I think I forget the German term for it mm, but he feels remember. a bit like that now obviously it's un- kind of unfair because Thomas Muller has been a great player and I think 
McTominay's a couple of levels below that, so I'm not making a direct comparison. But he does do that. He sniffs out space in and around the box, and he's a good finisher. It's just a shame there's quite a few other deficiencies in his game. I, I, real, I realise we're like 25 minutes into this pod. We've talked about a lot of the highs and lows of the game. We haven't really talked about Kobe Mainu. Obviously, we're going to talk about <laughs> him scoring the winner because it's just a beautiful moment. But just his maturity anyway in that central midfield. And I, I think the balance of him and Casemiro, he played at sort of eight box-to-box against Wolves. Obviously, he's played at more of a six for his previous games this season. But just 18 years, years old and you don't want to hype him up too much except Rasmus Hoyland in his interview post-match says they're all talking about him as a generational player. Thanks, Rasmus, for not hyping him up <laughs> too much. The Ten Hag said, I hope he just keeps calm. Also said something really interesting, Ten Hag, where he said he'd watched him in the under-21s and last season and thought he was coasting a bit. It was a bit too easy, and so they'd been pushing him really hard in training this season to, to have more, and he's still got more. He's got everything. He's a great passer. He's a... He's great in terms of the number of defensive actions. He's clearly a good finisher, very good finisher. He just seems to have incredible maturity, tactical maturity. Uh, again, you don't want to hype him up, but best midfielder already, isn't he? So smooth. So smooth in possession. I said uh, a few months ago, like I wonder if the reason why we didn't buy a central midfielder was because Ten Hag thinks mine is so good. And I feel, feel like that is the case because from what we've seen, he's just... He looks like our best player almost every single game he plays. Like he like he's like that that kid in centre mid. He's so smooth on in possession. He's like I don't I don't want to hype him too much, but like he's, he 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 moves the ball a little bit similarly to like Thiago. Like he has that like like silky smoothness and the way that he like passes the ball, the way he dribbles with the ball, and his goal is just so so beautiful. It's like a Oh, it's, it's just like a piece of art. Like the, oh, the yeah. nutmeg is just beautiful. The little shimmy to get onto his right foot to to shake the defender's hips, and then the finish. The finish also like the the ball takes a little bubble before it hits his foot, but he still just strokes it so beautifully into the corner. And then also like to just add to kind of the art, his celebration is just like yeah, boys, calm down. I've got this. Yeah. I'm glad it was I, a one-hand like, calm rather than the Ronaldo oh, two-hand. But, yeah. yeah. But it was the face, it's the facial expression as well. Like, some, like, it just, like, it was like, yeah, this is kind of just a, another day in the life of Kobe Mainu. Like, it's just, oh, it's just, oh, my God. It's, it's an amazing moment. Like, Brilliant. I know it's Wolves away, but, like, it's still, that, that just feels like an, um, like, like an iconic moment in in recent United history, mm. to be honest. Like for beings from such a like, yeah, don't want to hype him too much, but from a guy who looks the real deal in so many aspects, to just be able to score such a beautiful goal like that in the last minute of a game, beautiful moment for him, but also yeah, for the club, it just feels. It, it, I, I thought I think it's just an iconic moment, to be honest. Yeah, Rio Ferdinand compared it the goal or him to Clarence Seedorf because uh, obviously Seedorf scores um, a very similar goal I can't remember was it was in the European Cup finals for Milan um, and uh, I may be getting that one wrong I don't know whether stylistically he's quite the same as Clarence Seedorf there's some things very smoothness in movement and possession definitely feels a bit like that you, you compared him to Thiago with his passing 
he's got a little bit of Makaleli in his defensive now because it's really mm. good for an 18-year-old. He gets a lot of defensive actions in there because he's in yeah. the right place a lot. He, uh, is he a 6, 8? Could he play at 10? Don't know. All of them. He's, I mean, I guess a lot of it will be up to him or Ten Hag and what they want to do with him, the balance of the squad. But for the rest of the season, and probably for next season, it's Bruno, Mainu, and one other. And mm. it's probably Casemiro who's the favourite to play there right now. But it could be Mainu Deeper and Amrabat, or probably not, or Mount when he comes back. Forget that we actually spent 60 million on that guy. <laughs> not going to need to spend 60 million on another midfielder. It costs you more to buy Kobe Mainu right now, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it brings such balance. And I, of course, of course, fans are going to love that because it's a, an academy player. It's one of your own. It's nothing better, really, than a, an academy player coming through and making it. Becoming a star before your eyes, I think, as uh, Nick Harris said on Twitter. And I mean, it's totally true. And, and, and he's so, it's such an embryonic stage of his, of his career as well. What is it, 10 senior games or something like that? Like, mm. it's, it, it's, it's, it's astonishing how good he is. We, we obviously talked in pre-season about how we were really excited to see him. But like, he's surpassed all kind of expectations already. It's, it's beautiful. And, and, well, there are, and there from are a few players... Fielders, yeah, from a centre midfielder as well. Like we don't, we don't create them, and like we, we we've always been short in centre midfield for for so so many years. For like about six months of last season, we weren't short. But like again, next season we're short again. So it's it's not just like like great to see an academy player, but it's in that position as well where it's so needed. It's mm. it is yeah, real straight good luck in some respect. It, it it is quite rare that you see an academy player come through and you're just so certain they're going to make it because you've seen them at the under-18s, under-21s, and just really, really sure. And that's rare that that happens. I think, it's all, even like Class 92, I think we had doubts about all of them. Beckham didn't fill out till he was quite old, actually, 21, before he got into the United side. He was only Preston at age. This, I don't know if he'd even made it to Preston at this age, actually. Scholes was quite a late developer because he was small. And so... Yeah, uh, like it's so rare. You're just so sure that a player is going to make it. And I guess Ravel Morrison, we were absolutely sure, absolutely sure. <laughs> yes, we were. He didn't. Yeah. And, and Kobe Mainu just seems to have his head on his shoulders. And apparently, he's got really good family as well. His his dad's sort of a playing agent at the moment, and he's very level-headed. I didn't know this, but they were talking on the Talk of the Devils podcast that uh, Kobe's brother was in one of these celebrity Love Island type things or something oh, like wow, that. Yeah, that. I don't know. Like, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, special kids, special moment. Yeah. And uh, also yeah. an assist for Amari Forson as well. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, props to him. Much I mean, in the assist, but... kind of poked the ball to him, but he, he made a good kind of uh, cross box run to take one of the defenders away. And that did Yeah, well, he really yeah. did. He really did. That is worth mentioning for sure. I mean, the thing with Forson is his contract's come, coming up and... I think there's been a lot of internal discussion about whether he's whether he's going to sign a new one or not. And he's probably looking for game time. He's 19 now. So if they're going to send him out on loan, if they were going to send him out on loan, they'd probably want him to sign a contract first. That's not happened. Is Ten Hag giving him a bit of game time now? A way of saying, yes, you're in my, you're in my thoughts. Has he moved ahead of Palestri, who's gone out on loan again? Ahmad, who hasn't gone out on loan yet, 
but I think there's still room for that to happen, if I'm right, to the Football League. So, yeah, good, I mean, it's a good question. So, anyway, he did well for that moment. and It was interesting also that he played through the middle as well, like, obviously, coming on for Hoyland. Yeah. Um, like, that, I mean... You'd rather, I mean, not that Martial was is is near the near the team, obviously, because of that in, injuries. I think what ten weeks or something. But like, you'd you'd prefer to see Amari Forson come on and Martial. I'm sure the fans would prefer that, even if just work rate alone, to be honest. But yeah, and also like talking about academy, like three of the four goals were from academy lads today as well. Like it's just Dominic we've got so many of them, haven't we? And yeah, Manu. All right, oh, it's great moment I know it's just Wolves away but they've been so bad these games over the last five years or so so that was very entertaining and to win it right at the end there have not been many times this season when fans have had a chance to go totally mad but that definitely was true yesterday United haven't done a lot of business in the transfer market, but we thought we could perhaps wrap up some of it. It's almost entirely exits, actually. So, winter transfer window. The exits are Jaden Sancho, obviously. Loan to Dortmund, no option to buy or anything like that. So, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I guess he and United and Dortmund all wanting to play well. Hannibal gone to Sevilla, uh, came on 62nd minute, got booked in the 63rd minute of his debut and then got dropped from the squad shortly afterwards so well done lad Facundo <laughs> Palestri has gone that's a really game. weird situation by the way that's, so weird yeah I, I mean <laughs> I've, so I've never seen anything like it yeah God knows what he's done the the coach whose name I forget severe coach I'm obviously they're in a bit of trouble this Kike season. Flores isn't it oh he's Kike yeah yeah yeah, it Wofford, is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, said he needs a bit of time to understand what it means to play for Sevilla, which sounded like code for Oi Billy Big Bollocks. You like knuckle down and work hard to get in the team. It's really, it was really odd. But what I think with Hannibal, like he seems like he is that type of player. Like he seems like he'd work hard. I'd, you think so? I'd, yeah. It's almost maybe like didn't carry out instructions when he came on, or I, I don't know. Like it's really. Yeah, it's just wouldn't, what I wouldn't have expected from him, to be fair. It's really weird. Facundo Palestri's gone to Granada, who was struggling in Granada, so that's going to be an interesting one. Hopefully get some game time. Not guaranteed, because I mean, it was Alaves for a couple of seasons, didn't always play. Mm. I don't know when you saw this, his agent was mouthing off, said that Ten Hag didn't use him. And then, what did he say? What was the wording? Didn't treat him like a professional. I mean, I think there's a lot of sticks you can beat Ten Hag with, but I feel like he gave Palestri a lot of chances, and I don't think Palestri showed enough, to be honest. Like, yeah, all for all for giving youngsters a chance, but like Palestri had a lot of chances, and yeah, just wasn't that good. I mean, yeah, there's that, and it's okay for Ten Hag not to rate a player. We may agree yeah. or disagree, but yeah. I think agents mouthing off saying you know, he's, he was unfair to him in some way. It was not some conspiracy. He just didn't rate him. Yeah. So maybe United get a fee for him in the summer. Obviously, Donny van der Beek, this is confirmed a month ago now, has gone to Eintracht Frankfurt. If we can get any kind of fee from him in the summer, that would be good. Alvaro Fernandez went to Granada earlier in the season and has switched now to Benfica. That's with an option to buy. It's, like, it's kind of interesting because he hasn't actually been playing that much at Granada because the club captain's left back and but and he's gone to a bigger club now. 
Yeah. It's an upgrade. Kind of interesting, but Benfica do need a left back because they just sold one. Dan Gore has gone to Port Vale. It'd be good for him. I think that one's to watch. Like, I th- I've really, I've really rated Dan Gore. Like, he, he has the. He's got something about him, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got, he kind of got that personality. Like, the ability may be not amazing, but. I don't know. Yeah, I like I like what I see from him. To be fair. All right, and then the final one, which got kind of a lot of reaction, wasn't it? Isaac Hansen Aaron heading off to Werder Bremen on a permanent transfer, and which is probably a low fee because he was running out of contract. I guess the club feel that he wasn't about to sign that contract. He wants to get in the team. He's not quite ready, from what I've seen. I don't think he's like, especially in the like the Bruno Mount position he's a long way behind so he's not yeah. the pathway for him to get into the first team's not there right now maybe in two seasons time when you know we think about replacing Bruno but it's too late he wants game time now it's there's with a sell-on option as well so I think United have been stung a few times losing players just for the just for the um what do they call it? UEFA have a name for the the kind of compensation fee you get. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, f- I forget. But United have lost a few players for that, and now they're going to get a fee of some kind, but a big sell on. And it's probably good for everyone all round. So he's he's got a pathway into the first team at Verda, who have got a few younger players. If he if he makes it from here, good for him. But I'm not sure what of what I've seen so far. It's, it's not one of those I feel like he's definitely definitely going to make it at the top level. Nice technically, but you need a bit more than that. And he's slow as well, which I think is a problem in the Premier League. Yeah, technically he's really, really good. But you need to be way more than that, like especially to make it in the Premier League. Like the, the German league is slower, and I think that's one of the reasons why Sancho looks so much better there, because Sancho is quite a slow player too. And I think, and also like, uh, Hansen Aaron doesn't have any physicality at all, really. No. So when you kind of lack in the strength and the the pace, he's kind of like a real, real old school number ten who's going to look really pretty. But is he going to be that effective? Mm. It'll be interesting to see in the Bundesliga for years. But I, th- I, th- I think I really, really think he just lacks way too much in in the physicality like and you need to be a, a real athlete to make it in the premier league these yeah. days like no just, that's, that's yeah. absolutely true yeah and i think that's yeah it just feels like a good one all round and i mean if he'd signed a new contract maybe could have given him another couple of years to try and make it but i'm, I'm not against united deciding at this sort of age that yeah it's probably not going to happen let's let's just cash in if united become more successful um, and the age group teams do really well and, and the under 18s are going absolutely gangbusters this season they've won like 14 mm. in a row great whenever so if, Liverpool the, the night as well yeah exactly and and so if the age group teams are doing really well and the first team is doing better it has this halo effect on younger players United will get better feeds for some of these players right now none of that has been true for the last few years the age group teams haven't been doing well and so this clears out space in the squad overall, but it clears out a pathway for maybe some younger players to step up from the 18s to the 21s and get a, a little bit closer to senior football. So I'm not against this policy at all, and you just hope in two years' time it starts to pay more financial dividends, and when United decide they want to get rid of a 19- or 20-year-old, that they get big fees for them, like Chelsea and, and uh, City, especially City, mm-hmm. seem to get, because it's the fourth revenue stream. It's important. It's a... Uh, it's now a competitive aspect. Academies 
have to produce and uh, financially and, and not just be a loss leader. All right, one player out on loan already is Mason Greenwood. Hetafe played Real Madrid, got beaten by Real Madrid the other night, and Jude Bellingham appears to have called Mason Greenwood a rapist after tackling <laughs> him. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't half look like that. I mean, we may be, I'm not a professional lip reader. Apparently the Spanish League are bringing in a professional lip reader to determine whether he's done this, but <clears throat> like, and you know, I guess you don't want players going around accusing the fellow pros of being a rapist, except when it's like basically fair comment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Jude Bellingham. Like, He's not only a fantastic footballer, but he has this real, like, nastiness to him, to be honest. Like, he, he's, he's a demanding... Like, this kind of really goes under the radar, but he's so demanding of his players. Like, there was that time at Dortmund, I think they were playing Rangers, where he just called one of his own teammates, like, you fucking shit, you, can you pass the ball or something? And, and that, yeah, you don't want to see that from, like, your player, like, every single time. But that's... I think there's almost like something Roy Keane about like his his personality in that respect. He's, he's so demanding of himself, obviously, because he's such a great footballer, but of all the people around him. And yeah, he's just got this also like fight and willingness to win and he doesn't give a shit. And uh, yeah, like just calling Macy Greenwood a rapist. It's not even that like, it's just like, it's the fact that also Greenwood is English. Like, it's not like it's... You'd think usually, like in abroad, you'd think that the two like players of the same nationality would be almost like cozy with each other, right? But fucking none of that from Bellingham. He's just telling it how it is. <laughs> so good, so good. And I can't believe they're even be he's been investigated for that. Yeah, I mean it's it's what it's okay having the alleged rapist in the in the team and and yeah. lauded by Hedafe. That's perfectly all right. But another player calling him that. Uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of giggling here because it's it's a nervous laughter. Obviously, the accusation is not funny in the slightest. The a- accusation against Mason Greenwood, that is, it's not funny in the slightest. So the background to it is really dark. But, but yeah, you don't expect it. The context of a really big time player at Real Madrid and yeah, English on English violence. Verbal yeah, violence. so good. So good. I mean, it's also kind of saying like what so many of us are thinking in a lot of respects yeah well quite yeah. like almost like kind of like why are you even here type of thing like yeah i think he's yeah i know it's kind of juvenile but i feel like he is also fighting the good fight exactly yeah we uh, on the back of his content last week me and dan talked about Klopp, and uh, obviously united missed out on Klopp because um well ed woodward did an ed woodward on him <laughs> Klopp smelled the bullshit uh, and the other player that we really missed out well, on, the other person we really missed out on was Jude Bellingham, who didn't think it was the right environment for him to develop. And he's been totally right about that. He's a smart so, man. Yeah, he's, his pathway has been managed very, very well. And obviously he's got to the top very quickly because he's a brilliant player. But also he, he knew how to go from playing in the, the championship to, to being at the top level and if he'd gone to United he may have drowned who knows I mean maybe he's just too good to have failed anyway but you know he don't half kill off talent yeah I think he's probably also the type of talent that would like just lift everyone around him and just like drag everyone up he's, he'd have been yeah. so good for United imagine him and Maynard in the same midfield well I mean that might happen for England I guess 
very shortly. But yeah, I mean, I said this on the pod earlier, didn't I? When Mania had had like forty-five minutes in the team. Uh, I mean, I it's it's not central midfield. It's not the area where you know, England the strongest, and mm. obviously Bellingham is going to be in there. But Mounty's having a bad season. Hasn't really played there for England either. Was dropped by Southgate. Henderson. I mean, he's now stepped up a level. He's playing at what may, maybe the tenth tenth best league or something like that, up from the sixty something best league. But he's thirty four. Don't know. It's unclear whether he can cut it at the top level anymore. Probably not. Who else? I mean, Conor Gallagher. Phil- who's not yeah. really in the. Yeah. Calvin Phillips, who's not Phil- been playing at all for City, Just gone to West Ham. Made a mistake um, yesterday, so, I think, for one of the goals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there's a lot of question marks about central midfield for England, and, and there is a pathway for Cobby Mania to get into the squad. There is, but then I just kind of think it would be so much better for him if he was not English, just because you just know that, like, I don't know, he, he play, has one bad game and he's just going to get so much stick from everyone. and It's just that baggage you get with, with playing for England. I know it's kind of lessened, because England are better these days, but it's still the there's still the fear of when United players play for England that they're going to be ruined by the whole razzmatazz of the whole experience and all the media out for United players and stuff. That's that's my fear is well, my feeling is more fear than excitement about him playing in that midfield for England. To be honest, it's just yeah. that always. Ugh. I know. Anyway, yeah, don't want to talk about England too much. It's been nice to not have to think about them for a while, hasn't it? Okay, on to the weekend. United are playing West Ham, and uh, I feel like we just played and lost to them. But that's that is the nature of the reverse fixtures, isn't it? So this one's at Old Trafford. Uh, we need desperately need a win in terms of like chasing um, fourth or fifth place. It is, I'm just looking at the table. They are a point ahead of us and then we play Villa next who are eight points ahead of us, all 22 games. Real chance to not only sort of get this second half of the season back on track, but to make up ground in these next two games. And uh, yeah, just really important. They're a bit of a weird team, aren't they, West Ham? Like. They they have some like poor results and but they're against big teams this season they've been pretty good like after they beat us they went and beat Arsenal which I think that was the first time Moyes won away at a, a big a big six club or top four club or whatever it was right so he's recently got that monkey off his attempts yeah so yeah so he's recently got that monkey off his back before he heads to Old Trafford but. Yeah, it's it's really difficult to know what West Ham team will turn up, really. And but if 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 our team is, well, you wouldn't make a change, would you? From last night, if if everyone is fit no. and available, you, you feel like yeah, it's time. It's really time now. I mean, we've probably said it all season, but it's time now to get a bit of momentum going and and, and mm. put this game to bed like early doors. I mean, it's not going to happen, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, just one normal day of United spanking <laughs> crap team will, will never, never happen, happen. 
We've got to, obviously got to be careful. I mean, Kudus is, is he going to be available? He is going to be available. He played against Bournemouth, didn't he? So he, he is very good at finding space. He's had a very good season. There's obviously been a lot of chatter around why didn't United buy him rather than Anthony. There's, you know, I, I think obviously he's a better player. I guess the question with Kudus is he doesn't really play on that right-hand side and that's what United wanted at the time. But he's had an excellent season. Got to be careful about giving away free kicks because of Ward Prowse's sort of very, very special, special teams from those kind of moments. But I don't know that the central midfield is quite as good as it has been at West Ham. I don't know whether they've been that good this season. Suchek, Alvarez, and I guess that's why they brought Phillips in. Yeah, but I, I, I obviously, didn't, obviously didn't watch West Ham last night, but it sounded like Phillips was off it and like I say he was at fault for the goal I, I guess he'll end Surprise, up he's off it though is it he's, he's barely played in 18 months he also when he did play for City he looked like cumbersome like he was just carrying a bit like too much weight and I remember he was he used to be really light on his feet and like I don't know if it's just because he's playing for City and everyone at City looks so good and he just looks so average in in, in comparison but yeah, you kind of wonder if he's he's the same player, to be honest. But well, yeah. Pep Guardiola called him a fat bastard. I mean, well, yeah, he says I, I was I was trying I was trying to be nice and yes, putting on a bit of yes, not fat shaming the guy, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think he's kind of okay with a professional athlete, <laughs> probably, and all that. It's probably true. It's funny, I was thinking about this because, of course, there's there's been this argument. Ten Hag was asked about Sancho. What was, why was there a difference between his reaction to Sancho and Rashford? And he said, he said Sancho made it public. And there, there was a pushback from the sort of online community saying, no, Ten Hag did it first. You know, and I thought about this at the time because it's so innocuous. The comment he was asked, why did Ten Hag not play? Sorry, why did Sancho not play today? It was after the Arsenal game in September. And he said it was about his performances in training. It's so mild, so mild. And obviously Sancho's behaved like a petulant child. And then I was looking at like all the things Pep has said in public about his players. I mean, mm. not only did he call Calvin Phillips overweight, but he called um, Nunez, who they bought for fifty million pounds. He said he has a poor first touch. Yeah, it was just like yeah, not he didn't he doesn't pull any punches. And in fact, you know, I know Fergie famously said, "I never criticise my players," except if you go and look the comments he's made about his players he quite frequently called out players where he saw saw that it was fit to do so and I don't know swapping messages with Rob Blanchett on uh, on Twitter and I said I don't want to sound all okay boom it here but these soft bastards they can't take just the mildest form of criticism come on but yeah there, there are there are obviously some lads who can like you say like the City lads have clearly I guess they see the authority in, in, in Pep and just like uh, respect it but like yeah it's, it is pathetic of Sancho and yeah other people like it like there, there is it's almost like the difference though isn't it like between like a club who are successful and, and winning things that you can take criticism yeah and because you've kind of know in your heart you know that you don't need that external validation you know that you have it inside you to become like a proper like winner or a proper player whereas like I think that's the difference between like a maybe the mentality of someone like Sancho like receives like the smallest bit of criticism and then writes a social media post ridiculously long and then 
is crying for like three weeks or whatever like because he's like out of the team and he needs to apologize like grow up really seriously like fucking who like uh, yeah, the, the, the proper right, managers yeah. like you say like Fergie did criticize his players but the proper managers who have got the authority and, and have got a proper squad below them that they can do that and you obviously don't want to be doing it every single game like Troy Deeney was but like at the right moments it can spark a reaction inside of people I mean it's the, yeah. I guess it's the way that like kids when they get told off or whatever like they don't go crying all the time a couple of players West Ham won't have Saeed Benrama who they bought for a lot of money from Brentford hasn't really made it he's gone off to Lyon on loan Lyon in real trouble at the moment near the bottom of the French League and Pablo Fornells I think that was was it signed off he's gone to I can't remember now Celta well, the, the, somewhere, the, 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 league I, somewhere this morning I don't know if there's been any updates but the both both of them fell through because if there was a oh, problem did they? with the, with like it wasn't the fax machine but there was a problem with the internet at, at, at West Ham or something so I don't know if someone pulled out the plug on purpose so they because they didn't want those transfers to go through because I think West Ham were in, trying to get a winger to replace the both of them but yeah well I think both of the teams that were trying to sign those two players are talking to FIFA to try and get it over the line I don't know if that's trying changed to get it sorted fair. yeah yeah, yeah, that was I mean, their, their situation I, last point. I, I don't know what the rules are with FIFA because it has to go because international transfer it has to go through FIFA. In Premier League to Premier League, you just have to show you've done the deal sheet. So it's really just one page. You have to show that you filled it out, and you get time to complete all the formalities after that. So I get, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it'll be up to FIFA to work out whether they've managed to do that. Absolutely incredible, isn't it? that you have all this time to sort out and you're going till right at the last possible moment and the internet goes down so someone couldn't get a hotspot on their phone that's it yeah. find a carrier pigeon <laughs> so <Yes>. funny <laughs> takes me back to that time where it obviously happened with the hair Dave like crazy yeah. Dave who still doesn't have a club did you see that Forrest were in for him apparently like I think Oliver Kay from the Athletic right. reported and like De Gea thought he was too good for them and I think in the piece it said that that the people close to De Gea were trying to convince him that yeah you could play for a Premier League club for like a few months and and get yourself in the shop window but I don't know what he's oh, exactly. know what he's waiting for like, who's going to come in for him really retiring. I know he he still doesn't have a club Jesse Lingard still doesn't have a club apparently signing for FC Seoul I saw today oh, I heard I saw that one yeah, yeah. it's pretty, pretty weird random Axel Tuanzebi does he have a club did he go to Ipswich can't remember Ips now Phil Jones yeah. obviously doesn't have a club because he's got no legs <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's like basically that, been retired for four years at this stage it's like that guy in Holy Grail isn't he just a scratch yeah, yeah. that is that is kind poor, of like poor Phil Jones that is kind of Phil Jones because he has done that kind of crawling before trying to block it with his head he probably would yeah He'd probably be a good player like that. All right. We didn't really even talk about West Ham. Got to win, basically. They're, they're pretty crap and we've got to win. So, please, United, another performance. I, I just, I'd just i like to see another strong performance because I just can't think of two back-to-back strong performances this season. I mean, there have been very few actual good performances. But for an hour, we were good against Wolves. Can, can we pull it out for 90 minutes? Put away a mediocre side? Who knows? Maybe this is the turning point. I hope so. Been looking for it for a long time. I've probably said that about seven times this season. Yeah. 
Yeah, probably have. All right. Thanks a lot, everyone. Coming you out.